This is the Gambling Gauchos. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech, betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need, money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, the Moneyline Matadors, the Casino Cowboys, the Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. The Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Rowe's Kyle Jacobson, recording live from the Cardinal Sports Center studio. First time you and I, Kyle, have been uh, in the same room recording in quite some time. A week? Well, alone. Okay. Yeah, we're alone now, we Rob. Well, you didn't have to make it weird. But, <laughs> uh, very excited to talk about Cardinals for a quick second. The sidewalk sale was a smashing success there in early July. They have been incredibly busy. Like, team season? Like, football season is busy for everyone. It just, like, that's how it is. The month before football season, high school football season for Cardinals is like redonkulous because they're trying to get all that uh, team equipment out. They do a lot of team issued memorabilia, memorabilia, uniforms, memorabilia. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Anyways, you can visit Cardinals for your season gear up however you wish at mycardinalsports.com or in person in Lubbock or Plano. Tell them the Gauchos sent you. Most people up there will be like, who? (laughs) The what? But if you get the few people that know us up there, then uh, it'll be awesome. I watched the movie where that second clip from our new intro is from um, over the weekend. We haven't got to talk about our open yet. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Oh, we are. Okay. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, that's what that the second line is from. The first one is from a John Wayne. The Searchers. And that was, you said, the inspiration for the Buddy Holly song. Yeah, and when I saw that on Wikipedia, I was like, no. No way, it can't be. That's ridiculous. Uh, because I was like, that was after. But no, it came out early 1956. And in the same year, Buddy Holly flipped it around and put out, that'll be the day. So there looks to be some legitimacy to Buddy Holly taking that song and uh, putting it in there. The timeline adds up. So, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly is the third of a trilogy known as the Dollars Trilogy or the Man With No Name Trilogy. Have you seen all three? In my lifetime, yes. Not recently or like probably all the way through, no. I watched all three in chronological order Within the last two weeks. Yeah. 
I did a start bench cut on Twitter for the trilogy. Seemingly, most people saying the same thing. I think most people got it right. Good, the, 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 good, the bad, and the ugly is number one. Yeah, you start that bench. Number two would be A Fistful of Dollars, which is the first one in the series. And in my opinion, the worst of the trilogy is the middle one for a few dollars more. To me, the plot was just a little bit... It wasn't confusing, but it was a little bit kind of unclear and it didn't convince you or didn't get the buy-in that the other two plot lines got, in my opinion. So, first one was the worst in terms of like production quality. Yeah. But I'm able to see past that and enjoyed it. Those early era Eastwood movies where he's not uh, directing or in charge or like even speaking during the movie. <laughs> They're a little tough to watch for me. I don't like dubbed shows. I like Squid Games. Squid Games was good. Yeah, that's where... But I watched that one subbed, not dubbed. Yeah, I and I put the subtitles on just because the audio quality... It's not good. ...isn't great, and there is something to like... The mouth isn't matching up. Yeah, and... Even when you don't quite hear somebody, clearly if you can see their lips moving, then it, you can sometimes make it out. But when they're speaking Italian and it's dubbed over and it doesn't match and yep. all that, then it's tough. But it, it was interesting too. So the very first movie, A Fistful of Dollars, like within the first five minutes, there's a famous GIF, and it's the GIF that we probably use more than any other GIF on our Twitter account of him just with the one finger yeah. tipping his cap. And then within the last five minutes of the third one, so like – Seven hours later in total movie time is the line from our new intro. So it kind of like yeah, came full circle. It's, the... it's like that Leo meme. You're like, hey, I recognize that part. Get it in the first five minutes and the last five minutes of the entire trilogy. That's funny. Well, and just on the open, uh, shout out to the guy who recorded it, the Sam Elliott impersonator. Sam Elliott impersonator. I gave him a favor- favorable review. But I don't really think he sounds like, like no, Sam Elliott. It's, it's a deep Western voice. It's a solid yeah. voiceover. It's good. But it's not But it's not a matching impersonation. No. But for what it is, I, I was really impressed. I liked it. Um, I wonder if that guy has a mustache. I'm sure he does. The guy that did the voice. I feel like you have to. Yeah. I recorded a couple of them. I was like, this isn't, <laughs> isn't going to work. <laughs> uh, he did. Are we allowed to... Yeah, we, so, tr- we, tr- we had a few more alliterations in there. He botched I, the uh, the Vegas Vaqueros. I'm not going to repeat it because I don't want to get canceled, but it was yeah. like, dude, you don't know what a Vaquero is? Yeah, it's like you're a cat. You must be from Wyoming or something. Maybe. But all the, like he got Gaucho and Picador. Yeah. But I guess Vaquero was a, a bridge too far. Yeah. I also put in like betting buckaroo. A few, few others that I was like, ah, I don't. Think I thought you would of put those on. I thought of high stakes horsemen, but it was after the. Yeah, that's a good one. I would love to get an A to Z, betting cowboy alliteration all the way through. But I, I once you get into like Q and Z, that's going to be tough. The roulette rustlers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could do it. We could probably do at least twenty out of twenty six letters. You think? The all in. I mean, we can do it. We don't have to do it on air. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's the off-season. We can... Also, just have a complaint for you. Okay. Also, you were telling me that my mic was the one that was doing it the other day, but it was yours because I had my headphones on last time. It's your cord rubbing, in, rubbing on that. No, I think it was... Eh. <laughs> I didn't want to say anything, but... Because I had my headphone on. Okay. Anyways. We'll see if this is any better. Um, I will say, too, my, my TV audio 
because we were having connection issues, which is why you're here. We usually uh, zoom. Anyways, behind the scenes here. My TV has been like a quarter second off audio to mouth. Brutal. And I don't know how to fix it. And it's like, oh, well, Netflix is bad. Let me go to Amazon Prime. Prime is off. I watched something on Disney Plus. It was off. I, I don't know what's going on. If anybody out there can comment or help me. Like, all I know to do is, like, turn off the router and plug it back in. Like, that's literally the extent of my know-how in technology. But it's just so odd for it to be a half second off. And then for my internet speeds to be up, uh, like, 400 megs. Do you want to talk? I don't know what's going on. Any like Texas Tech or Big 12 stuff? Before I really we... want to figure out my technical issues before we get onto it. Before we do like I a 30 minute can. intro on <laughs> Westerns and internet speed. Yeah. Do you watch any other Westerns or? Uh, no, I, I just watched the Dollars Trilogy. I'm going to keep yeah. watching Westerns though. I'm yeah. kind of hooked on that genre right now. You're a big Western guy. I prefer like Navy SEAL shows. I never got into those video games or that movie like i I'm, watched i haven't seen saving private ryan i've never played call of duty yeah, i watched hurt locker this week i've seen hurt locker and then i watched um 12 12 strong with chris hemsworth he's he's the i think it's also in afghanistan and he's got the horses you and i put out our mount rushmore of texas tech football yeah Tired of me. Um, I just I I want to get to something of substance, <laughs> and I feel like Mount Rushmore is already like this cliche off season topic. Yeah. Um, we had some overlap. Half of our Mount Rushmore was the same. The first half, yeah. There's only only four spots, of course. Although, and I think there's a few that will uh, replace soon. Like Mahomes will be on there. Yeah, I think he just needs to complete Eventually. his NFL career. And I don't care that he didn't win while he was at Texas Tech because I do think it's a full scope thing. Yeah, I agree. And he had, you know, top five offenses. He did his job here. Do you remember when you graduated wins and losses or when you graduated high school, do you remember what the Valedictorian's speech was about? <laughs> no. Ours was his theme was that uh, I guess at one point he visited Mount Rushmore and the, I don't know if you call him tour guide, but like the park ranger, the host, whatever, yeah. to inspire the audience said, you know, there's room for one more up there. And so that was his go get him speech at high school graduation. That's awesome. So, you know, hey, there's scientists and politicians and business leaders out there, but there's always room for one more, just like on Mount Rushmore. So anyway. That's good. Mount I've Rushmore, never heard that line. Yeah. So Mount Rushmore has four faces on it. Yeah. So anytime you're doing a Mount Rushmore of something, it's the top four. But theoretically, I think we're probably too politically divided to ever add a fifth at this point. But in theory, there's yeah, for, something. Yeah, something would really have to happen. Yeah. We'll see. Either somebody new would need to step up or you'd have to reconcile something in the past. You know who would make a good fifth on Mount Rushmore? The real one? Yeah. Oh, I can't wait for this. Are you worried I'm about to get political here? I mean, yeah. I would say Aaron Rahino from oh. Rahino Barbecue. <laughs> if anybody could unite the country, it would have to be over a plate of good barbecue. Sure. And that's the best plate of barbecue there is. It is. Top 50, Texas Monthly, y'all know that. Top number, one here in the gallery. Yeah, number one in our hearts. Um, they've been all over the place in West Texas with the mobile food truck, 
You can still go get them out at Ulton any Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know what kind of chaps my hide, Rob? What? When they're in Lubbock four weekends in a row and people are like, oh, are you coming back next weekend? I'm like, get your butt over there. Figure it out. While they're here. Like, Yeah. Anyway. They but, might be back um, early September. Yeah. M- more soon. More to follow. <laughs> and probably many times between now and then. Oh, but, I'm sure. Uh, but anyway, go check out our friends at Rohino Barbecue. But anyway, back to the top four. We won't get into the fifth face on Mount Rushmore. You it's and like I, uh, living in the dash. You and I both put... <laughs> you ever heard that? <laughs> no. On your tombstone, you got the birth year and the death year. Living in the dash. What'd you do in the dash? <laughs> <laughs> you and I both put EJ Holub and Michael Crabtree. Yeah. Yeah, and those like back-to-back Blitnikoff, back-to-back All-American, and then Holub... Not only what he did at, at Texas Tech, but what he did in the, the pros. I mean, yeah, and he gets bonus points for me being a Lubbock High kid. Yeah, absolutely. N- not that he was on the bubble for me. I think he's a he's pretty much a lock. I mean, the the thing is, you do have to leave off some pretty good names, and we'll get to that. But to me, EJ Holub is on there. The fact that he played both ways. I was tossing up between like Donnie Anderson and and EJ, the guys that played in the early Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, and then with Crabtree, he's the most modern player I'd be willing to put on there because nobody's really sustained winning since then. And he has a case, you can make the case that he's the greatest college wide receiver of all time. Yes. And so any guy who yeah. is arguably the best at his position ever ever has to be on there. Yeah. Um, that's why I considered Dave Parks. And Dave Parks is probably in my top six or seven. But I thought two, putting two receivers on there seems receiver heavy for the greats that have played other positions. And so I went with Crabtree over Dave Parks. Yeah, and I tried to spread around positions too. Yeah, I, I wanted to spread out era, sides of the ball, all that good stuff. Yeah, so my last two were Tarbox. So I had Holub, offensive lineman, really at Texas Tech. Then you had Crabtree. So then I went Tarbox, who played everything, but defensive back is what you remember him as. A recent Hall of Fame inductee, Ring of Honor. Yep. And then Zach Thomas, who yeah. college career, pro career, did it all. Should be a Hall of Famer in the so, NFL. So I put Gabe Rivera where you put Zach Thomas. And to me, those two are yeah. almost identical. One and of the two. I guess you, you obviously give the nod to Zach Thomas for the pro career, which Gabe Rivera, unfortunately, didn't have a, a shot at. Yeah, not his fault. Yeah. Um, Got drafted high, would have had a career. Right, but I mean, as far as what they did in college, they were both Southwest Conference Player of the Year, both the best to play their position at Texas Tech, um, different eras, 80s versus 90s, but I can't argue with either one of those. Um, Last spot, mine was a little bit creative. I put Cody Campbell Yeah, on the field, a letterman, a starter, anchored some, or co-anchored some really good offensive lines that um, protected for great passers. But I'm putting him on there really more for his achievements and contributions to Texas Tech since then. I think the facilities are so important. I think leading in the NIL space is going to, we're going to look back on that 10 years from now and say yeah. that was huge. I mean, TCU rushed out a 501C in the aftermath. And they have, what, 20 athletes sponsored by that? And they're not even through the, F, the 501C paperwork yet. Interesting. I didn't even see that. Yeah, they, they just applied this week for their 501C. You had Baylor players quote-tweeting the announcement from Front Office Sports. Yeah. Uh, man, I bet we could do this at Baylor. No, you can't. 
And then you also had the Houston guy from not this like the city, but the player from Houston that was like, "Man, this is really cool. Hope we can do something this like this here." Did you see? Did you see the screenshots that were DM'd to us from our friend Tech Hoops guy about like TCU's reaction to the Matador Club announcement? The from the message boards. Yeah. Yes. So there was a one TCU poster who was like. Do we have a hundred alumni who can match us at twenty five hundred a year? And uh, somebody responded. They were like, "Dude, we had like three people show up to a, a Sunny Dykes breakfast or with the QB one, yeah, yeah, yeah." Well, that's what it was. It was like basically one fan was delusional. The other was like, "No, we don't have fans that will do no. this." When Baylor might probably a better chance than uh tcu because baylor has you know chip and joanna if they want to get in they They also have a lot of old money they have twice as many current students so i mean i figure they've got one and a half to two times of living alumni that tcu has they're twice as big as tcu yeah i think tcu is about eleven thousand. i think baylor's 20 or twenty-one thousand. and then tech is 40 i would not i thought baylor was around 15 i thought baylor it it surprised me a little bit too like baylor is so like oklahoma i don't know uh, usually the private schools are smaller, of course. Right, right. But basically, Oklahoma State is like right in between Texas Tech and Baylor. Like yeah. I wouldn't have thought that we were as much bigger than Oklahoma State as Oklahoma State is Baylor. Well, until Houston gets in, you're by far the biggest in the new Big Twelve. Um, Arizona State until they get in. Well, and UCF. Yeah, they're both kind of monsters. But but yeah, you're 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 up there for sure. No matter who you wind up adding. And Houston, again. And the same with UCF and probably Arizona State. A lot of that's not on campus. Right. Right. Not to belittle anybody, but... There's also the... Um, if you look at Arizona State, you know their main campus is in Tempe. And then they have a Phoenix campus and they have a huge online. Yeah. And so if you counted the Texas Tech system, because there are people that maybe did their undergrad wherever... Right. And then they graduate from the Health Sciences Center, but they root for Texas Tech sports team. So that's like hard to quantify exactly. But exactly. Well, and that's the same with Houston and, and UCF. Yeah. So commuter schools. Some omissions. Neither one of us put a coach on there. But I, I almost put Spike just because. But you know what? The other coach I was toying with. Coffin. Cliff Kingsbury. Because of player, coach, I know he didn't have a bunch of success, but just four years as a player, six years as a head coach, and then he's also, you know, he whatever he does with Arizona, I just think, again, like, he's not done yet, so it's hard for me to put him up there. You know what I mean? He's, like, still in his career. Right. Which is why I didn't put him in. Yeah, I think... You could make a case for Pete Cawthon. I think you could make a case for Spike Dykes. Yeah. Who didn't have a lot of high-end success, but 13 years of solid success. I mean, like, there weren't a ton of losing seasons in there. I don't know if there were any. Maybe one, two losing seasons under Spike. I'd have to look. but Yeah, not maybe 500. A bunch of bowls. But he was hired coming off of what was until recently the worst stretch, like the Jerry Moore era. And so he kind of put you back on solid footing from that. And then Mike Leach, 10 years, 10 bowl games, I think won six of those. 
an 11 win season winning percentage owns the winning percentage record yeah so i mean i and, think and most wins is it just I most can't wins? remember he has one i know he has one more let me think about that whatever it is his and spike's conference winning percentage are off by like 0.01 they have pretty much identical conference win rates so anyway um no coach has made it some other guys that I really thought hard about were Donnie Anderson, Dave Parks, Byron Hansford. I'm trying to think if there was a, others. I think those would probably be the only ones that I would consider on Mount Ru- or, or you know Graham Harrell. If you wanted to go quarterback because of the air raid identity, I think he would be the natural. Yeah. At least until Mahomes wins, right? Multiple Another Super, Super Bowl, Bowls or yeah. something. So I, I really wouldn't argue with anybody who wanted to put Zach Thomas, Donnie Anderson, Graham Harrell on there, right. Mike Leach, instead of the guys that I put. I just thing is it can only be four until and we I add didn't, one more. I didn't argue yours at all. You didn't argue mine. If and, and we didn't see each other's before we right. If twenty other people did twenty different Mount Rushmores, I probably wouldn't argue with too many of them, unless you're putting up like Dakota Allen. And it's like, well, okay, this was one. I mean, uh, I, I love Dakota Allen, but like, okay, let, let's. There's <laughs> a little context here. So, now, Jordan Brooks. I will say, if Jordan Brooks goes and has the NFL career that I think let's, he let's say will, he has the same career as Zach Thomas, because I think that's feasible for him. Absolutely, and I think he was good enough his senior year to really be in that conversation. I thought he got robbed from several awards and first team All American. Uh, yeah, I think he was a victim of playing on a not great team. Yes. There was one name that surfaced that I knew you'd be opinionated about and that I think does not belong in the discussion for Mount Rushmore of Texas Tech football, okay. and that was Wes Welker. There were now, a few replies that said, hey, see. Wes had a great – and even non-Tech fans, like an Oklahoma State fan chimed in. He was like, hey, I'm not a Tech fan, but he, he said this to me like I had no idea. He goes, yeah. "He goes, uh, you should consider Wes Welker. He had a good college and pro career, and I'm like, I know that. But, yeah. again, he's not the best player to play his position at this school. Look, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the anti-West guy. But I also just do not understand. <laughs> I don't understand the insistence that Wes Welker was some football god. Now, I love Wes Welker. And he's a great player. He was very good at Texas Tech. We're not saying he's overrated or... No, he's, he's, great. he's very rated. <laughs> but he didn't win a Super Bowl. He played on the Patriots for like six years and was like the only Patriot to not win a Super Bowl. And he did lead the NFL in receptions. Was great. He had like 6,000-yard seasons in a row. Played special teams. I, but a lot of people are like, he created the inside wide receiver position. It's like, did he? And again, I love Wes Walker. But I just feel like the Wes love is a little bit well, if overblown. You, again, if you go to... Like, if you do Mike Leach, Wes Welker, Michael Crabtree, and Graham Harrell, it's like, okay, you just ignored he, every era yeah. that preceded the air raid. He's the greatest punt returner in Texas Tech history, Wes Welker. Yeah. One of the greatest punt returners in college football history. Yeah. I, 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 you might have different thoughts, but once I put Crabtree on there, who, again... Yeah, he's the only receiver. ...has a case to be yes. the greatest receiver in college football history, I'm not going to put a second receiver up there. Would Wes... Okay... Mount Rushmore receivers. Wide receivers? <laughs> Crab. Dave Parks. 
Dave Parks. Last two would be tough. Um, I might put Welker on there. If we're considering yeah. NFL and college, I'd put Welker. And return game and all that. I think I think Wes is probably number four. It's that last spot that... Because there were so many guys that were all, I think, evenly good. Yeah. Jakeem owns a lot of records. Eric Ward is top five in a lot of career Eric stuff. Eric Ward. Um, is it... Is it Leong that has the most touchdowns in a season? I don't know about that, but he he's second in career TDs to Crabtree. Okay. And then you've got you've got Falani, you've got Jarrett Hicks. Yeah. I mean, all those guys that put up comparable numbers just, you know, when it was their turn. It's kind of like the quarterbacks. Like if I showed you Hodges' season, Cumbie season, BJ season, they're all pretty comparable. Yeah. It was just their turn. It's the same with the air raid wide receiver, so it's I hard wish, for me to – I wish Ezukama would have had consistency at quarterback. Yeah, because he's gonna he's gonna get forgotten. T.J. Vasher too, man. That guy was so like, and he went through a coaching change. He did not vibe with the Wells staff, it seemed, and he he was hurt quite a bit too. What if Kiki came back for his senior year? If he put up identical numbers from his junior year, a second yes. time a senior, he'd be up there for me. Yeah, and. He would have stayed afloat probably in 2018. Man. When like Jonathan Giles too. What if Jonathan Giles had not transferred? Because he, he was the prime target before yeah, Kiki. He, he's why Kiki didn't have out. a bigger sophomore season. But then when Kiki was the guy junior year, put up great numbers. Well, Kiki broke out the last six weeks of the his sophomore year. Right. And Giles was like, oh, this guy's taking over. So really, I haven't answered the question. I've got three. Crabtree, Welker, Dave Parks. That's probably the hardest position at Texas Tech to do. Because like the next 10 guys yeah. are all even to me in some ways. I think Jakeem would probably be in my mind. I, I think I'd probably go Jakeem too. Even though he's still in his career. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have a, Are you opinionated about the backyard brawl shifting to non-conference games? That guy is still going. That Texas fan. And he keeps saying that he's, he goes, I'm done. I'll let y'all go. But he keeps coming back for more. I'm not. It's all like the whole argument was semantics. It's, it's a microcosm of the conference realignment discussion. Like nobody here is denying that Alabama and Texas are the two biggest brands on this list. No. But games that I want to watch, give me the backyard brawl after a decade hiatus. Again. Over watching Alabama, who's favored by 17 points in that game. I have a word of advice on anyone reading a list that you make on Twitter. Or that we make. Sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to dox you as the only <laughs> list guy. If you're reading the list, just go ahead and put Kyle's in front of it. It's like Kyle's best non-conference games. Kyle's favorite quarterbacks in in Big Twelve history. Kyle's f- best games. Like, just go ahead and put the opinion on there because that's going to save you a lot of trouble. And I love the engagement. I love a lot of people that comment. But sometimes it's just like, like, do you think we're being factual? Well, and like, this is just our opinion, man. And to some people's credit, they're very cordial, and they said, you know, I would have put this one over. And, and I love and, those. And that's comments. exactly how it's supposed to be. Like, here's my opinion. What's yeah, yours? Absolutely. It's but, called discourse, Kyle. But right to just go to like, how dare you? It's like simmer down, hot sauce. Yeah. I mean, it's this is my opinion. Hot sauce. Like, I'm not. I also think some people just immediately, oh, you're trying to troll us. Like, no, I'm not. Like, I think the backyard brawl yeah. is a really compelling game. Yes, and they hadn't played since 2011. 
and, and I and I do think there is like I called it's that guy historic. casual, and he got mad yeah. that I called him a casual. Well, but he's like he goes most people don't even know that's rivalry. I'm like time out on the most people. Yeah, your inner circle of t-shirt UT fans yeah. might not know that's a rivalry. But if you love this sport, you know that the backyard brawl is a rivalry. My favorite list comment is, um, like, imagine forgetting that this guy exists. <laughs> it's, it's like, like no, we I, didn't forget. I didn't forget. We didn't put him on there because he on sucks. There. Yeah. Imagine not thinking Sam Bradford's okay. really good. Shut up, dude. Sam Bradford was hurt his last two years. Get out of here. Here's another one on the on the non-conference games list. He also held the ball too long. He did, to his own detriment. Like, throw the damn ball, Sam. Kansas versus Duke. Was number fourteen out of fourteen, and I I listed every single Power right. Five on Power Five matchup. I thought that's what you did. And people go Kansas versus. And I go. It's in last place, guys. Would have been a good basketball game. <laughs> I, I can't put it any lower on the. I guess I could have just stopped at thirteen. No, I. But I'm I like, mean, guys, I, that was fine. Like, if it was top five, I would get the criticism. But like, it's in last place on here. Yeah. What did you want? Uh, yeah, and it, it, you even put some non-Power 5 teams above. Like, yeah, you put the UTSA game, you put the Houston game. TCU-SMU. TCU-SMU, so. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, Kansas is playing a Power 5 opponent. Both. It, imagine those- not thinking TCU-SMU <laughs> is the best. Like, yeah, we can imagine it because that's what we think. Like, you don't have to imagine it. Just look here. It's I love, the list. I love, to the short memory span. So, that was a list of 14. Yeah. Te- Texas Tech appeared on that list twice at number 10 and number 12. Yeah, and then you're and you're then, biased. And then the next day is like this account always just lists Texas Tech number one. I go, guys, if I was trying to pump up Tech, I probably would have put them higher than ten and twelve on a yeah. list of fourteen. I'm excited for the list you sent me today. I think all of this week's lists yeah. are gonna okay. blow up. Good with different fan bases for different reasons. Good. And I have not lost my edge on being mad at TCU. So some of that is going to come through on Good. a couple of these lists. I love the the big game boomer question today. What team is your team going to blow out? Yeah. TCU. Um, I want to beat them so bad. Because I know how sensitive Kansas basketball fans are oh about God. their arena and their home court, now it's just such an easy yeah. – I'm, I'm not going to put Tech ahead of Kansas on the next basketball list, but they're going to be – co-equal and it's gonna ruffle some feathers and i can claim hey kansas at the top but they're not alone at the top and so it's gonna make them mad my favorite reaction i think of from a fan base so far was when you put bill self 1a yeah tied for first with scott and they were just incensed jayhawks fans it's like he's one you like a is before b guys y'all know that it's like he's not the same tier (laughs) okay they both have a national championship in the last two years right and the team that knocked out Baylor in overtime made it to the national championship game. Like Baylor was pretty close. I'm not going to say pretty close to three-peating. They would have had a real shot at it during the COVID year. So would have Kansas. And had they beaten North Carolina in that overtime game, they probably would have gone to the Final Four, and then who knows what happens. But, but I'm like, okay, yeah, two natties at Kansas or one at Baylor where nobody has ever won before, I think is comparable. Like It's just a tip of the cap to Scott Drew because I think highly of him. But anyway. Here's um, Kansas fans wanted to like sue me for libel on that. Here's a question for you that was just shared into our Discord. Well, can I finish the segue first? I said Kansas fans wanted to sue me for libel. Oh my bad. And if I needed a defense attorney, yeah, well, you wouldn't want to call him, but you no, could. but you know, you hope they hope you never need him. But you have their number. If you do, I would call Barnett, Howard, and Williams. 
office in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across the state of Texas, including if you've been libeled on Twitter or need to defend yourself against libel. On- is libel the written word? Yes. Okay. I was just thinking that. I always get slander and libel mixed up. Yeah. Well, and if if you mix them up, I, then I bet they know the answer. They know. Uh, they're one of the only law firms in Texas that is certified for Title IX student representation. They've defended students, including scholarship athletes, in Title IX litigation at all of the major universities in Texas. They also handle catastrophic injury cases across the state. And for listeners in the DFW area, they handle criminal defense and family law matters. You can find out more about Barnett, Howard, and Williams by visiting their website, bhwlawfirm.com. Okay, what question did we get in the Discord? Well, it's... uh. A screenshot of a Facebook post in one of the oh, this should be fan pages. Rich. So it is the twenty fourth. Did somebody find out about the cactus July. on yes. Facebook? <laughs> Can someone catch me up on the whole cactus thing, please? I'm so lost. The first comment is cotton cactus. Both start with the same letter. Both grown in West Texas. Like what? Facebook, dude. I just oh. can't do it. I love it. Did you link them to your KCAM article? I I need to. I need to put it in there. Oh, man. Can you please catch me up on the whole cactus thing? I think sometimes we forget that everyone's not as in tune to Twitter and the fan base and just what's going on. But that's I, like, it's been a week, man. I almost made a joke. Was that Tuesday night when that was blowing up? I almost made a joke like at the time yeah. saying when Facebook finds out about this cactus thing this weekend, they're going to go nuts. Blow up, yeah. I didn't, but I should have because it would have. You should have. It would have come true. Because then we could have put this up. Do you want to talk some realignment stuff? Yeah. Is there new information? I mean, it, there's whist- there's a whole lot of smoke to me. Yeah, let's talk through schools. Let's talk through some of the smoke, and I've got a couple thoughts that I think are going to impact sort of where we go from here. Okay. Do you want to cover the smoke first, or? Well, I mean, just like Board of Regents meetings, Colorado stuff going on. Jason Shear from Arizona has been like, "Yeah, this is happening." Basically, he seems to be the only, maybe not the only, but definitely the most prominent writer in Pac-10 country who isn't just carrying water and spewing propaganda. Like, I I touched on this the last episode, but like three weeks ago we were talking Pac-12 ACC merger, and then that died, and then it was like, oh, the 10 are just going to stay together and do a TV deal together. And then when it was whispered that, okay, the numbers aren't very good, they're like, okay, well, yeah, maybe we'll just do that ACC merger. I was like, guys, it's not happening. No. And Shearer... Wilner's been the worst about it. Yeah, I think so, which is... A little bit disappointing because he broke the USC-UCLA news. You would hope that he was more credible. But Sheer... He's trying to save his Wilner hotline. But like you've said, just write about the new Big Pack 18 or whatever it is. Yeah. Sheer writes for the Arizona 24-7 website. And he seems to be the only one that kind of sees a writing on the wall and is like, guys, this Pac-10 thing is over with. Let's go to the Big 12. And of course, he's just a writer. Like His opinion doesn't really matter like the university president's does. But he seems to be, to my eyes, and maybe I've got blind spots because I'm biased toward the Big 12, he seems to be the most realistic. And he alluded on Twitter today, Sunday, that he's heard multiple times he trusts from sources that 
the Pac-10 TV numbers that they got within this 30-day exclusive negotiating window were brutal. Were not good. Brutal. Like 22 <laughs> or less. Yeah. And that's just, that's just not going to cut it. I mean, they're they'd be I'm not going to say borderline American Athletic Conference, but like probably closer to that than yes, the Big 12 and ACC. Yeah. So if that's the case, I mean, look, all these university presidents can talk about academic prestige and cultural fit and yada, yada, yada. If they've got a chance to double their TV payout by hopping to the Big 12, they're going to do it. Like, case closed. Yeah. I, I think so, anyway. Yes. So a couple of, I think, key dates are approaching. August 1st? Yes. That's the first one. Brett first Your- and foremost, Brett, August 1st. Brett Yormark is not the Big 12 commissioner yet. He's been hired as that, and I think he's maneuvering, but I don't think he can like execute a contract on behalf of the Big 12 until no. August 1st. No. August 4th, the 30-day window that the Pac-10 is in with ESPN and Fox closes. We've heard that Fox said no thanks, and ESPN is lowballing them. So once that is over with, and your market can, in an official capacity, maybe start approaching some of these schools. I think either it wraps up fairly quickly and you get something before football season, or this drags out until later. Well, that's another thing. You don't need it now, right? You don't have to have that information uh, because they can't come till 24 anyways. So you, right. you don't need to know in the next year. Now, you need to know... Probably on their end because they're still trying to get a TV package. Uh, but this new thing from uh, M. Haver, M. H. Haver, yeah, whatever his name you is. You want to uh, go ahead and then. I'm so gonna... so he's been like, I've been sitting on information for sixteen days, and I can drop it now because my main source. He now says that Notre Dame is trying to facilitate a move for Stanford to get into the Big Twelve. Stanford and Cal. Yep. And then. Arizona and either Utah or Colorado. I don't remember which one he said, but in my opinion, Colorado will drop first. Arizona will join. I don't think Arizona State wants to be in the Big 12 because their president of the party school is saying they are too highly esteemed for those hooligans in the Big 12. Colorado... I saw a figure last week. I don't know if you saw this, that they've lost a hundred million dollars in the last decade. Did you see that? No. So is Colorado like from when they left, how much money the Big Twelves made, and how much money they made? They've lost out a hundred hundred million dollars, and there's probably like ticket sales and all that stuff figured in too. But I, I tweeted this when the USC UCLA news broke. Was there a bigger loser in conference realignment than Colorado? No. They leave all of their historic rivalries to go make less money and have nine losing seasons in 11 years. Yeah. All just to come crawling back, probably at what will initially be a, a 70% payout or whatever as they work their way back up. Like, And people are like, well, Colorado, Missouri, they're getting paid to lose. They're in the Big yeah. Ten and the SEC. So, yeah, they lost all their geographic rivalries. They did not enjoy you saying they get paid to lose. Well, uh, it's true though. Like yeah, like a, By the way, Eli Drinkowitz, biggest doofus in sports. <laughs> you don't like him? No. I remember you talking about him last season. 
Did you see the other day? He was like, uh, yeah, my dad always taught me about karma. Uh, you reap what you sow. You reap jackass. You sow jackass. It's like, you do that daily. Like, what are you talking about? Like when he was saying the the force will be with you last year and all that stuff, bringing a lightsaber into the press conference. Surely. So on MH Ver, yeah, MH Ver three on Twitter. A couple things. I'm gonna get into the substance, but first, before I forget this, do you know who his profile picture is of? Um, West Virginia something. It's a West Virginia player. Uh, I don't know. His name is Major Harris. Oh, you think he's? You think it's Major Harris? Well, Major Harris is one of the two greatest quarterbacks in West Virginia history. Oh. He and Pat White are one and one A. But his profile picture is Major Harris. His username is capital M, capital H. V-E-R. V-E-R-3, which wasn't Major Harris's number. I think he was eight or nine. I think nine. Yeah. Part of me wonders. That if, would be hilarious. If there's some connection. MH very Surely not. It's a lot... It's a weird username. Every year, the, he only... Okay, so last year, when the Big 12 was going through their thing, he started tweeting. Oh, yeah. He does it every time there's conference realignment. He's been doing it for a decade. Every time there's conference realignment. That's the only thing he ever knows about. So does he have TV sources? Does he have... Con- like, why does he not have any other conference so- sources on anything else? He only has conference realignment sources. It's just so weird. No, so I think that Twitter account is fan fiction. So, but when the last when the last round wrapped up last year, he went private. Yeah, he does that in between, and then he goes unpri. Like it's just such an odd. I've been following him on my on my personal since 2014. So I've always same. Even when he goes private, I'm I'm in. Yeah, I just wonder. Well, I think I unfollowed him recently, but I just wonder if there's a connection, or maybe he's just a major Harris fan. Well, who wouldn't be? Anyway, I wouldn't make my. So the I wouldn't make my, you know, username. The Stanford and Cal stuff. B.J. Simmons for life or anything, but it's his favorite quarterback. Sure. Stanford and Cal stuff is interesting to me. One, it enhances the academic reputation of the new Big Twelve. Maybe Arizona State says fine. If our peers, I guess they think they're peers with Stanford and Cal then maybe the big pack 18 is good enough. But here's the other thing I'm curious about. Stanford and Cal, Bay Area schools, a lot of the Googles, Amazons, probably have a lot of Stanford and Cal alumni. Are any of them powerful enough to want to throw in a, an overpriced or like an overvalued streaming package to the new big pack 1820, whatever the heck we wind up at? Well, I just, I don't think the big 12 wants to be past 16. I think they're going to let the first four in. Maybe. And I, I think there's a little bit of credibility to the idea that Stanford, that the big, if the Big 12 is going to play with NBC. And, I, want, I want to talk about that and, too. And Notre Dame and NBC are longtime partners. The Big 12's affiliation with NBC is not going to be with Notre Dame. So it doesn't make a bunch of sense for because it's like, oh, well, we want to play Stanford on NBC. Well, you'd be playing them on NBC anyways. Just go schedule them. Because I think the it's it's just the NBC needs a reason to spend the money. And if they have a bigger inventory, they have more of a reason to say, all right, let's put this much money into it. But if it's just Notre Dame, they it it's like, okay, do we want to spend seventy five million on just one team? No. Or do we want to spend a billion? 
on 17 teams. This is what I thought was interesting when the USC and UCLA to the Big Ten news first broke. If you can think back, like an hour after that, a lot of people were like, okay, are Oregon and Washington going as well? And they'll right. just have a pod of four on the West Coast. My mind went to Notre Dame and Stanford. Same. Because it's a rivalry. Um, Academic, a- AAU. And some people were like, Notre Dame and Oregon. I was like, no, Olympic I think, schools. I think yeah. if Notre Dame goes as a pair, it'd be with Stanford to maintain that rivalry. I agree. The USC rivalry. Back back with Michigan. The Big Ten, Yeah. Uh, the Big Ten could theoretically add six. They could go Oregon and Washington as a pair, Notre Dame, Sanford as a pair. I don't know. But I do think so when Dennis Dodd with CBS broke this story about NBC potentially wanting shoulder programming for Notre Dame games, I was very intrigued. And I do think that would make sense with Stanford in the Big 12 to say, okay, NBC always gets the Stanford Notre Dame game every year. You know, I think that's a Thanksgiving week game every year. And it would make sense that NBC, airing Notre Dame's games, would want to enhance the brand of Stanford and other Big 12 teams. So before we get too far down, I want to explain the concept of shoulder programming. Because I was thrown around and I feel like a lot of people reacted to that Dennis Dodd story and they go, Notre Dame isn't joining the Big 12, you idiots. And it's like, no, right. okay, nobody's Nobody saying said that. that. But you could have a partnership where the Big 12 always plays in the slot right before Notre Dame. Yeah. And in the slot, and or in the slot right after Notre Dame, depending yeah, on what time NBC the Notre Dame game is. If wants to play three games a week, right? And I think maybe they do. And so the benefit of that, you might be wondering, well, like, why would NBC be interested in this? Look at whatever Big Twelve game is played right after the Red River Shootout every year. It can be some random Iowa State versus Baylor, like not a super compelling game or whatever. It gets double the ratings it would normally get on any other channel. Because people's TVs just stay on from the main attraction. It's kind of like the under ticket or the undercard for a big ticket fight. You go wa- you'll go watch two hours before the main event. And so, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, they'll get a certain number of viewers on Fox Sports 1 at 11 a.m. If that same contest is on NBC at 11 a.m. right before a 2.30 Notre Dame kickoff, it'll get more viewers. And that's what I think is in- potentially enticing to both NBC and the Big 12. Agreed. And that's where the Stanford comes in. It's like, okay, if the Big 12 is going to be strategically aligned with Notre Dame on NBC, they would want Stanford as part of the fold. I don't think that's a necessity. I don't think Stanford has to be in the Big 12 and, for that one game a year. But Yeah, and is Notre so. Dame – well, and, and is Stanford going to stay independent and just take $20 million from NBC for four games and and also be kind of a – because the thing is, is Stanford has the richest endowment pretty much of anybody. And they have a specific athletics endowment as well. Right. The, the athletics. So they don't need. They, they could stay. They don't need a conference. Now, they they were almost cutting school funded sports two years ago. And there's an outrage. So I, I don't even know if they want to be in sports. I think Stanford could really. If they wanted to be independent, they'd play Cal every year. And I bet USC and UCLA would sign up for a non-con home and home in perpetuity, so they don't have to travel every single week to the Midwest. Yeah, Notre Dame, and you know Stanford could play Notre Dame, San Diego State, Cal, the two LA schools. I mean BYU does it. Yeah. So I I don't know. Maybe maybe they don't join the Big Twelve, but they're a, if they go independent, they need 
games on the schedule. Maybe they kind of do what Notre Dame is doing with the ACC, mm-hmm. and they play four Big 12 games a year against BYU, Texas Tech, whoever. Plus Notre Dame. and It's and just their- it's going to be a scheduling nightmare. I was talking about this with a Longhorn fan the other day, and he was like, oh, what do you think is going to happen? I was like, I don't really know, but I want it to be wrapped up in 23. Like, I want Texas and Oklahoma out of the Big 12. I want all the those four schools that are coming to the new Big 12 to be in the new Big 12 in 23, which they're planning on. And I want any Pac-12 schools that are going to move to move in 23. I, and I want US the same thing with USC and Cal, uh, UCLA. I want them in the Big Ten next year. Yeah, you just want the new college football to just, start in 2024. Yeah, just wipe it clean. Because otherwise it's, well, these guys are moving in 24. Well, 20, the fall of 23. I'm saying, right. yeah. Yeah, you'd have a really awkward, in 2023, you'd add four new schools and be a conference of 14 with Texas and OU. Yes. And then the very next season, if you had pack schools coming over, they would join. And then in 25, Texas and OU would go to the SEC. So you'd have a... For really four or five years in a row, a different conference yes, in some form or scheduling. fashion. It's just a nightmare. And if you're going to do divisions or pods or strategic, you know, like uh, you can't you can't do the, the protected same thing. rivalries. It yeah, it would change every year. And, and you're just going to have to. It's basically going to be an outlaw schedule you're drawing up every year. And people are scheduled with games until 2030. Yeah, it'd be nice if the, if all parties the conferences the teams changing conferences and the networks let's just start would get over. to the table guys 2024 is a year we're gonna hit the reset button yeah we'll do whatever little payouts we have to do for an extra year or something but let's just make it happen i'm with you that'd be that'd be the way to do it you had that a little bit when the big when the when missouri a&m colorado and nebraska left the original big 12 yeah but it was just over two seasons like wasn't tcu in like the big east for a month yeah but but then they didn't want to do that. They got the Big Twelve invite, I think. Right, right after that. So they bearded it. So I think. Hey, one more question. Yeah. Have you seen the the rumors that Oklahoma might change their mind? It's not happening. I mean, I agree. Would you Would you let Oklahoma slink back? I would not let Texas slink back <laughs> without major concessions on Texas's end. Um. I would let them both back on the right terms. I would let Oklahoma back. I'm done with Texas. I, I would just make Texas. I mean, I, I would make Texas come back on terms that they would never accept. I would yeah. say you're an equal revenue partner. You're signing a 25 year grant of rights. Yeah. You can never leave. You you pay ten times what you would pay in your new setup if you ever leave. Um, you don't get preferential treatment on Thanksgiving anymore. You don't get any kind of scheduling preferential treatment. None of that. There's no Longhorn Network. No unequal revenue distribution. Horns down is not a penalty. Right. You have to play A&M in the non-con every year. Yeah. Even though you all aren't in the same conference. On Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, You're playing a non-con. I, I would basically make the terms so egregious yeah. that they wouldn't do it. I would let I would let Oklahoma stay. And I feel like they got off easy. Here's what I would do. I will say, yeah, you guys can come back. But you have to bring A&M, Nebraska... <laughs> And, Missouri and two more with Every, you, Colorado. Everyone yeah. you wronged in 2010, <laughs> you have to write them a handwritten apology. Because yeah. that's what I want. Like I want OU Nebraska to play every year. I want Texas and A&M yeah, to play every year. You want the year. old Big Twelve back? Yeah. Like if you guys can get Nebraska, Clemson, Florida State, and Pitt to come, 
in Miami. So like everybody gets a rifle, then when, like, yeah, sure, you can come back. The question now is because the SEC has said they're going to stay at 16 for now. Yeah. The Big Ten has said they're going to stay at 16 for now. So does it benefit the Big 12? Because the whole thing is, do these teams make you money? Is it cost-beneficial ben- beneficial? <laughs> I couldn't even tell if that word was said wrong. Uh, is it cost-beneficial to add 18 to get to 21st? So I do think that there is some merit in the larger you are, the more stable you are. If you're a conference of 22... And because have, then if Oregon leaves, it doesn't You have really four matter. defections, you're still a conference. The problem is, with the Big 12 right now, is you had 10 teams and two of them left. Like, you can't be a conference with eight. So I do think even if... If people dilute the pie too much, then you say no. But if they're even money, or even if you lose a little bit, you just ask them to come in at a... Net neutral. 70% share and work their way up. I think there's something to be said for stability, because like when the next shoe drops... You want you want to be in a position to take ACC teams rather than the ACC teams take from you, right? Yeah, and do you want to get to twenty four? That, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're thinking the Big Ten and SEC eventually wind up at 18, 20, 22, then you want to be right there with them. But you don't want to do it too early because then you don't have room for Miami and NC State and Pitt. Right, and that's where I think if, Virginia Tech, like if Oregon and Washington will only join with their in-state counterparts and Oregon State and Wazoo dilute the money, then you say, okay, no, because we're going to wait for Pitt, Louisville, Virginia Tech. Those are the only two I like would straight up refuse, the state schools. Yeah, which sucks because I, I don't have anything against those schools and I hate that they're about to lose Power 5 status. Like that's how I, I felt last summer. I don't really hate it. But the, the, I'm with you on that though. I think those two would absolutely be dilutive. And I, I don't want Cal either. Cal and Stanford, I'm like skeptical. S- Stanford, I think, has the brand. If a TV executive said, hey, if you have the two Bay Area schools, you'll get a bunch of California viewers, and I'd be like, okay, fine. I'll say this. Stanford has potential. Yeah. They're not realizing that potential currently, but I think with maybe a swift kick in the ass, they might get back there if it was like, hey, this is the Big 12 you have to care again. I I take Brett Yormark at his word when at Big 12 Media Days he said, all options are on the table. The Big we're, 12 is open for business. We're open for business, but we're going to be additive, not dilutive. And so if it – like we're talking about the four-corner schools. If of those four there's a clear one-two and then there's a drop-off, I, I think – like if the if the TV guys tell him, hey, Utah does nothing for you, then I think he'll, he won't take Utah. Every Pac-12 school is on the table. You can only add two. Oregon, Washington. Uh, I mean, Arizona, Arizona State in an ideal world, but Oregon and Washington get you paid. My two are Oregon, With the understanding Arizona. that it's equal revenue sharing and they have to sign a grant of rights like everybody else. No special I'm, treatment. I'm Oregon and Arizona. Oregon and Arizona? Interesting. And really, geographically, it would be Oregon and Colorado. I don't think Colorado helps. I think I think Arizona, just for every other sport, and I think they can get back there in football. Um, Oregon, obviously, with Phil Knight, and allegedly Phil Knight was meeting with Yormark again. Second meeting. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. Hey, I did see, though, John Wilner, he floated the idea of the Apple 12 conference, so it spreads, because we were like, why yeah. not be the Nike 16? You know, sell the naming rights. Let's make some yeah, money. Yeah, the, the Nike Athletic Conference. You're going to be playing catch-up. I want to leave the number behind. 
You're, you're not going to be 12. You don't need to be 16. Okay, besides the SEC. You go Pac-6, Pac-12, Pac-10. Besides the SEC, name a conference that has any brand, cachet, anything that the isn't a ACC. number. Okay, besides that one. The Sun Belt. I feel like you're doomed to be the American Athletic or Conference. Or some, some of people are going to go, eh. Oh, if Nike's involved, you're absolutely doing that. But then you well, get yeah. $4 million a school. Yeah, you're getting paid for it. Yeah. What do you make? But I would go the Nike. Yeah, just stay at, Just call yourself the Big 12 or change your name. Don't go Big 16. Don't, so, don't call it the Big 20. I like the idea of Big 12. If there's 12 states. Sure. But I like the Big Pack 18. No, you don't. No, I don't. Um, and look, I, I look tongue in cheek. I was saying the Big American, but that's not right. good either. <laughs> but if it's the Nike Athletic Conference, the NAC, I'm I'm cool the with NAC. that. It's the WAC, the whatever, the Nike yeah. Athletic Conference. Big Twelve After Dark has a nice ring to it. Just do it. What do you make of? I've seen some conversations out there that Arizona and Arizona State share a board of regents. And at least it sounds like from Twitter and stuff that Arizona is more willing to join the Big 12 than Arizona State. Yes. And people, I guess, are skeptical that one can go without the other. My initial thought on that is, A, a lot of people thought that schools were just tied together either politically or explicitly bound by law, and none of that held up. Oklahoma left Oklahoma State. B. Texas left Texas Tech. Cal is suing UCLA right now. They share the same board of reason, regents, yeah. and UCLA left without Cal. So I don't, unless the state law is different in Arizona or something. Well, and Gavin Newsom is also getting in on the suing action. You think he didn't know? No, he didn't know. He didn't know anything. <laughs> Not to be political. I, just, I saw like a clip. Of it doesn't he, seem like he's real in tune to what's going on. I saw a clip of him. I just, I guess, I just. I believe these people that were caught off by Texas and OU. But after that happened a year later for the Pac-12 to be like, what yeah. do you mean are they left for a bigger TV check? Yeah. I'm like, guys, y'all didn't know? Right. I don't know. When that was reported last year, that, that USC was the school that shut down because shut down expansion because they didn't want to be tied in and wanted to have the option to leave in a year. And the Pac-12 had the votes. Outside of the two that left, they had the votes to veto that decision. But Oregon and Washington and probably Stanford and others were stupid enough to think USC and UCLA are on our side. Yeah. So we'll stick together with them. Morons. Well, and Klykoff, first two weeks on the job, it is spitting in his hand and shaking hands with Kevin Warren and doing the spit shake and looking at him in the eyes like a man and thinking that's a real deal. And then he gets hosed. He's going to go down as worse than Larry Scott if the Pac-12 folds. Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to. At least Bowlesby was smart enough to let other people in control that knew what was going on and let Kirby and Skuvenek figure it out. I know you didn't like adding those four schools, but it absolutely crippled the Pac-12 because they didn't have anybody to go get. Yeah, I think... If they, if they would have had a BYU in Houston if they immediately. Were, if they were willing to cave on BYU, they would have just said, yeah, we'll just take BYU and San Diego State or Houston or whoever yeah. and be done. Because um, I, I, oh, I don't love those four here either. But Code Ninjas teaches, but if you wanna, <laughs> teaches kids ages 5 to 14 how to level up their coding, STEM, and engineering skills in a fun, hands-on environment. In addition to the year-round programs where kids learn to code by creating video games, 
Code Ninjas is now enrolling for week-long summer camps. These camps use technology that your kids already love, like Legos, Minecraft, and Roblox, to expand their skills, creativity, and confidence. Cool stuff. Jody Slaughter over there, he made that uh, Big 12 mascots as Super Mario Brothers picture that we tweeted out. Love that one. So your kids can learn how to do fun stuff like that. Maybe they can make something with their school's mascot. Or I want to go and do 3D printing with him. Yeah, he 3D printed I, a cactus. Can I sign up for that? And a Raider Red. So all kinds of cool stuff going on there. If you want to keep the kids busy during summer, I know they're doing sports camps or summer camps, but this is a cool one too to keep their mind active. Our listeners can use the promo code GAUCHOS at checkout for $10 off any of the summer camps at the Code Ninjas Lubbock location. You can visit their website at codeninjas.com. And I bet, this is just a bet, but if you want to do some of those, you better get on it. I think so. They already have uh, school supplies out and everything. A couple more questions for you on the realignment stuff. More on the TV deal. Did, did you have anything else on the NBC shouldering idea? No. An I, initial I just, reaction to that I, for it, against it? I love it. I think it would be tier two. Um, and, and again, I, I think the idea maybe of tiers is even dead a little bit because if you're just playing with a game of the week on NBC and they're going to give you one game and you're either going to be before or after Notre Dame, depending on when the Notre Dame kickoff is, and they're going to buy one Big 12 game a week, um, like CBS did with the SEC for so many years, maybe that's the deal. Maybe you get the 11 a.m. NBC game every week or you get the afternoon one and Notre Dame goes either before or after and you play in the same spot every week. Um, I would like that. I don't want to get all in on NBC because it really is just NBC or... My dream is CBS still. I, th- I think I'm with you. And we've talked about that a lot. You don't think NBC and CBS could coexist? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Y- you do. So it would be CBS would be tier one, or what you would call tier one, where you would have um, CBS game of the week or two games on CBS. You'd have one game on NBC, and they would you know fight over those throughout the year, and then you would have TBS TNT in the midweek or like on a Friday night Thursday night because it's just one two teams a week that are doing that. Or you could just play non-conference in the in the weekend and then not do it once the conference play starts. What about this? Because so with the with the Notre Dame shouldering idea, that could be one game. If Notre Dame is the eleven a.m. or the seven p.m., it would only be one game. The one either immediately right. after or immediate before. But if Notre Dame is at two thirty, you could put two games on NBC. Book in, yeah. Um. The problem is. So what if NBC wanted to nationally televise? Okay, here's the other thing. Sorry, before I get too far down this. NBC only gets Notre Dame home games. So the other six are on ESPN with the ACC or, right. or whoever. So this would potentially only be six weekends where you're shouldering Notre Dame. The other six weekends, or more than that because there's bye weeks and everything. And if NBC is your media partner, you know they've got to fill the slate with Big 12 games. What I was getting at, though, is that I hope that all of your regional Tier 2 games that aren't nationally broadcast, like I think the NBC shoulder games would be, 
I hope that all of them, every single one, is also available on a streaming platform. So that if you live in Los Angeles, and so you're not in the region where the Tier 2 broadcast is, you can still stream on either Paramount or Peacock, whichever one we go with, or Apple TV, whoever. So that... Every fan who wants to watch the Big 12 can watch every game, whether they're in the region or not. Well, if if you are... Yeah, but you think they'll do NFL style? And if you're in the Lubbock area, you'll you'll have Texas Tech on NBC because they're the home game. I'm just... And then you would also have, in the same time slot, West Virginia because that slices up... Well, if you have... Depending on how many teams you have... Viewership. You, you might have so much inventory. Because that's how it is now. Like, we're on Fox Sports 1 at 11 a.m., but so are three Big Ten games. But since we don't live in Indiana, we're right, not watching not, the Big Ten. But you're not on... But, yeah, but the Fox game is the Fox game. Right. That's what I'm saying. So like, Yeah, in college football. So, like, if NBC had Tier 1, right. that replaces the Fox or ABC. That's national broadcast. Right. And then Tier 2, like in Texas, you're watching Tech versus Houston. Yeah. But if you're a tech fan who lives in Los Angeles and you're getting something different on your tier two programming because you don't live in this region, I got you, got you, got you. that game should still be available on Paramount or Peacock or Apple TV. I hope that that's in the deal, that every single right, game I, is available I, on a streaming service. Now with CBS, for sure. Because if you're on TBS, but again, TBS doesn't have other conferences. Like well, You would be solo on TBS. Yeah, then you don't need the... Tier right. two regional portion. Yeah. Everything would be nationally broadcast right. on one of which is why I want CBS, NBC, CBS, or TBS, TNT. Yeah. The only thing I've seen, I'm I'm not questioning you, but I think there's a TNT East and a TNT West. I'm sure, but it, it's not like you have. And sometimes they're broadcasting the same thing, though. Right, right, so right. It, but it, but it, unless you have like, you want to play BYU on TBS. And West Virginia, and they're both at three o'clock. Right. I mean, you could there's there could be some overlap there. One last question I have for you on TV stuff. Yeah. I've been thinking. Okay. There's been a rise in what I would call gimmick TV, specifically sports productions. Okay. I'm gonna list a few examples. Nickelodeon. No, I don't. I, that's not even on my list. Oh. But um, NASCAR. Ran a race in the L.A. Coliseum. They're going to do a race through the streets of Chicago next year. What? They're going to barricade it off, obviously, like not yeah. just like through traffic. Um, I remember, I think it was Michigan State UNC game, basketball game on an aircraft carrier. They're doing that again. Virginia Tech played Tennessee in football at Bristol Motor Speedway in front of 150,000 people. Yeah. Um. You're going to laugh, but the, the Jake Paul, Logan Paul boxing matches, yeah, they sell like crazy. Yeah. Um, Nickelodeon playoff games. The Field of Dreams baseball game. Loved it. Highest rated MLB game that season. Yep. Until probably the World Series and stuff. How gimmicky do you want to get with the new Big 12? Do you want to lean into any of this and play on Friday night or play at a weird venue or do you want to keep it prim and proper? Well, I'm, uh, if it makes you money, I'm all for crazy stuff. Okay. Um. Now, what those are, I don't know. Um, if you're the Nike Athletic Conference, I think a everyone should be in Nike. Um, but I don't know any more than that. What that provides you, 
I don't want to lose home games. If you're Texas Tech, I mean, that was the whole thing with Baylor, right? You don't want to be playing Baylor at Jerry World. Right. Um, But if you want to play on a Thursday night, I prefer Thursday to Friday, and you want to play it at 8 p.m. Central, um, I'm 100% in on that. What about a Tuesday or Wednesday night in between no. in between no. bye weeks? No. Why not? That's Maction. That is beneath us. What if it was guaranteed to be no. the highest rated thing on live television that night? Do it on Thursday. Thursday, you're competing with the NFL. But that's on Prime. and Potentially I, other college football. If you're, But if you're on, like if you could do NBC Thursday night, which you probably can't because there's like cable programming. Uh, but if you could be TBS, I mean, that's basic cable. So I, I bet you would compete with Amazon Prime. I mean, I'm fine with Friday night. It isn't the AAC doing it, but I guess they would be dead by the time you get there. What about like the equivalent of color rush uniforms? I mean, you're already doing that, right? Especially if some are, especially Oregon, if they yeah, come. <laughs> especially if Oregon gets in there. What about? Um, I mean, yes, I'm I'm in for stupid uniforms. What yes, about you like know that. with the broadcast? You know, going back to XFL, do Skycam, mic'd up. Well, is Nickelodeon CBS? I don't know. Is Nickelodeon broadcast? Are you cool with mic'd up? I'm also cool if you get to more than 16 teams, let's say there's 18, to have a conference championship semifinal. Yeah. I'm down with Before that. that. Because that adds. There was, a, okay, not a big fan of Stuart Mandel. Boo. But the part of his write-up that was talking about the, basically you leave the last two weeks of the season open. And then you match up like the I've two worst this. teams. You did say it first, yes. But just from that article, so you can have a reference point. It was leave the last two weeks open, play the the conference championship semifinal, and then while you play those two for the ones that matter, it's also like, hey, Texas Tech is in fifth place. They're five and six. TCU's also five and six. They haven't played yet this year play them or it's even a rematch i don't care what about a relegation system within the conference instead of divisions or pods you get relegated yeah. up and down that way no i i think relegation is too difficult what again, about again i don't want to be switching pods or anything else i just want to schedule and a routine and what about well if i said you still have your same two or three protected rivalries then your other uh, eight or nine games are no okay um what about a bunch of Made up trophies and rival. Like, what if they leaned into the John Denver stuff? Yeah, and the you're for that. Yes, I'm, I'm just trying to think of ways that, to me, for from a sports business standpoint, the gimmicks work. Otherwise, they yes. wouldn't do them. Like, I know that Logan Paul is not a good fighter, but people pay to watch those yeah. fights. Well, and I, I, I think you should have a bright. If you if you broadcast on Friday night, I would hire Pat McAfee, and well, he's busy doing SmackDown. I would hire somebody off the wall. And try to do like the Monday Night Football entertainment broadcast, like the Manning Brothers, but somebody else. Yes, yeah, some some Big Twelve. What, what about two prominent alums from the two teams that are like RG three and Pat Mahomes calling a Tech Baylor game? Well, Pat's busy, but but, but something like that. Well, yeah. If like on Pat's bye week, yeah, or something. Yeah. If he wanted to come back to Lubbock anyway, he just calls the game versus whoever we're playing that week. I don't know. 
I'm not in, I'm not into that. I would have two hosts. Sorry, I, I don't mean calling the game. I mean if you're on like okay the interview him for for a quarter. No, okay, like if you have the CBS broadcast crew with whoever. And right, right, right. The, the Par- Manning cast. The Paramount Plus version is Mahomes and RG three watching the game. It's a feed of that. Uh, well, sure, but have a guy in there to facilitate. Okay, yeah. Because you can't just put two. You can't just. I mean, that would be a bad broadcast. I mean, isn't that what a lot of companies are already doing? You can't just put two guys in there. Like, didn't they do that with Jason Witten? I mean, yes. Good luck out there, buddy. Yes, but I think you you have to have somebody entertaining in there. Like, the Manny, the Manny cast was awesome, and I think you could do something like that. I would, I would also, you know, going into basketball and baseball, hopefully have some dedicated announcers to the Big 12 if you're going to be on CBS... If you have a duplicate broadcast, if you're on TV and a streaming service, I want the streaming service to be totally uncut, like mic'd up. I want to hear the coach drop F-bombs and yeah, I want to hear all that. Yeah. Or or something similar. The quarterback mic'd up, one of the now, players mic'd up. A lot of that, and again, streaming numbers versus terrestrial television numbers. Um, I think a lot of those numbers are still catching up on how they count them and what they look like um, and how fast they come in. So could you get around some of the stuff by just putting it up on Peacock and then saying, all right, well, 6 million people downloaded Peacock when we announced this, so there's your number. I don't think so. I think there's already a reporting mechanism in place because like when I look – but if, it, some but if it's on, but if it's on both Peacock and, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I've I've seen some numbers that it has a note that it includes TV sets and streamers. Oh, okay. Okay. So I think they've already found a way to count that. It just feels like it's a little bit behind. Yeah. Okay. I think that's all. We didn't get to any of the questions in the Discord mailbag, but we could save those for next episode. Okay. Was there? There was one. Um, I do want to answer one of them. Okay, first, can I give a shout-out to Diversified Lenders? I would love for you to. Cool. You can learn more about them at diversifiedlenders.com. They are sticking with us for another few months. Absolutely. During football season. So It was the uh, best-case scenario, worst-case scenario. I just had an out-of-the-box worst-case scenario for, for, for tech football. Oh, okay. It was from the Discord. Like this season? Uh, I think it was three to five seasons. Oh, okay. So right, yeah. kind of your best-case, worst-case for Joey McGuire. Okay. I think realistically the worst case is that he flops coaching-wise, which I don't see happening. Best case scenario is he's competing for Big 12 championships like Baylor. So it takes two years, and you're in the mix. The worst case scenario, you ready? Okay. The worst case scenario is that he wins the Big 12 this year, and somebody poaches him by year three. Not going to happen. I don't think so either. I don't think he'll leave, right? I don't need to remind you. You said I will, I will die at Texas Tech. I'm just saying that's my worst case scenario, that he is just so good. Because <laughs> I just do not see the flop. I just don't see Do you it. want my worst case scenario? Yeah. You lose some esteem with this recruiting class. Like at the end, some of those yeah. four stars decommit and go to a bigger school. You already have lost a little bit. And you wind up... 30 something instead of 20 something like Uh that wouldn't be bad or even like 40 if you match this year's class it's kind of like a okay kingsbury could have pulled in this class like he wasn't doing it consistently but yeah 
So that would be part one. Part two is the NCAA or whoever cracks down on NIL collectives and the Matador Club goes away. <laughs> and like you said, the the coach, like even if he recruits, the coaching isn't there. Yeah. And like you've got the dudes, but you're still five and seven. Because that was kind of like Cliff offenses at times. Right. And of course, he, he was like defense. Lot of, you had a lot of individual talent in the Cliff era. That would be my worst case. Like you're still five and seven, six and six with yeah. the recruiting success or the recruiting success doesn't totally materialize. Like yeah. after you, the new coach bump wears off. Best case, like you said, I think realistically you peak where Gundy, Aranda, Rule, Bryles have peaked. Uh, Patterson at TCU. You're winning a Big 12. You're winning a New Year's Six bowl game. And you're seven and five and you're off here. Yeah. I... It is really hard for me to see a scenario the way they've recruited that they have to ever like not be bowl eligible ever again. Like to I, me, it's the Leach standard. Like the floor think, yeah. is bowl eligibility. I think Joey McGuire has the same floor as Leach did. I think in the new Big Twelve you have a much higher ceiling. Oh, I think so too. Because in the South, you were, you know, A and M. You were competitive with A and M. But they had more resources. And then with both Oklahoma and Texas, you were just obviously the fourth richest. And I'm not saying that is what undid Leach, but you just didn't have an incredible ceiling with Leach here. Yeah, I think that's true. But I think in the new conference, and I guess however it shakes out, I think you're you have a higher ceiling with Joey. Yeah, I think that's right. I just and with, nil and all that stuff. You're just so much more even than you were with some of the teams that I've seen go five and seven here, and some of those seven losses were really close. Like they should have probably been bowl eligible. Even the six and six teams, I don't see you falling below that with the way you've recruited. Like no. the fact, that, okay, the fact is the way they've recruited. If they can sustain that, you know, with any semblance of where they're at right now, you will line up seventy percent of the time with better players than the other team. And that goes a long, long way. Yeah. Maybe 80%, maybe 90 I mean, who knows? If you're recruiting top 25 classes year in and year out, you're going to have the better dudes nine times out of ten. So, yeah, if you're not making a bowl, even in your worst rebuilding season, like, okay, well, we've got a first-year quarterback or, you know, we've got some injuries. It's the lead standard. Six and six is your bare minimum. You live in that eight-win territory. It's kind of the middle of the bell curve. And in a good year, 10 wins, let's make a push for the Big 12 title, New Year's 6. But like you're saying, in the new Big 12. Yeah, and you like to do that more than once. Yeah. But in, in the new Big 12, like you're saying, that ceiling, you take the lid off. There's no OU, Texas, Nebraska. And you get to play Houston and right. Kansas. So I, and- I, th- I think you're spot on there that your floor is probably the same. And I think your ceiling is a lot higher. List idea. Rank the floors and the ceilings for every Big 12 program. That is a really good... Yeah. Uh, I've, I've actually given this some thought. You... Alright, it's currently 10.08. Do you want to give it thought right now or you want to yeah, save no, I'll this get, one? I'll... So All right, TCU... final, final thoughts. How about that? TCU fans have been chirping that they're 6-4 and four against Texas since joining the Big 12. Yeah, that's true. It, it's a weird thing though, like... Apparently the 80s don't count, the all-time record doesn't count, but the last three years right. weigh really heavily. And my counterpoint to that is you, you just finished the best decade in TCU football history. 
We we just finished the worst decade yeah. in Texas Tech football history. I would push back that that was their best decade, but I agree. Since the Great Depression. Your, well, but they had like the the decade before this decade when they were cleaning up the Mountain West and going 10 wins a year. No, okay, I'm counting the Rose Bowl 2011. Is that when that was? As this decade. 2011 through like now. Okay. It's a decade. Your best decade or worst decade, you're 6 and 4. You barely like we fired with two a f- worth with a four and eight season and yeah you missed two or three bowls. I don't think they've hoisted a bowl trophy since twenty seventeen, maybe twenty eighteen. Yeah. All Did that they win the cheese it bowl. Yeah, all that and you're barely above five hundred against us head to head over the course of a decade. Yeah, I forgot where I was going with the original point. I'm sorry that they have a lower floor than you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I think you just witnessed the floor of the program, and that still included a Holiday Bowl victory and a Liberty Bowl victory within the span of a decade, plus another bowl berth in between that. If you go back to 2012, I guess that would this would be the 11th season since 2012, but um, another, I think it was a Meineke Car Care Bowl at the time, now it's the Texas Bowl. Anyway, to win three bowl games and to appear in four, five, because that Shimonek team lost a bowl game in your worst decade is not that bad of a floor. Like, I could go pull K-State and Oklahoma State's worst decades, Iowa State's worst decades. What? They, they lived at 3-9. and nine, They Iowa did not State play did. in four or five bowl games in a decade, in their worst decade. And I'm saying worst decade on yeah. conference win percentage. You're, Can- you're playing your peers head-to-head. Yeah. This is the worst decade in Texas Tech history. Kansas is coming off their worst decade, or, you know, equal to their worst decade. TCU, I think this is their first decade in a Power Five conference, so I, it's it's a little bit harder to well, say that they're, they're in not the Southwest with us for forever. Well, yeah, I'm just saying that they they talk like that that like right. oh well we were always in a different no we were in the same conference for 50 years total between the Big Twelve and the Southwest Conference yeah. we just broke up for 15 years in between. I guess I was just really just going the modern era. Like I mean, you only played them twice when you weren't in the same yeah. conference. So anyway, all that to say, because Southwest wasn't a power five, like the power five didn't exist until no, the but day. it was. Right. You were with your peers in that gotcha. conference. So people have this perception of Texas Tech's brand and image, and it's not good right now, and I know why. But also, when comparing us to our peer schools, TCU, Baylor, and Oklahoma State, and Iowa State either just finished or are in the middle of their best decades of football ever. Yeah. And unfortunately, your best decade of football ever was when OU and Texas were going to national were winning games. national championships yeah. and going to national championship games. You're stuck in a division with them. Like, Baylor got to play Case McCoy to win a Big 12 title. We had to play freaking Vince Young. Yeah. It's different. Like, sorry, it's different. Or Colt. It is. Yeah. No, they played Case McCoy for a Big 12 title. No, that's what I'm saying. Oh, Texas yeah. Texas Tech had to beat no, Colt yeah. McCoy to even be in the conversation. Yeah. So, like, our best team ever got third place in their division. Yeah. And, like, so, like, oh, well, we have a Big 12 championship. Okay, yeah. Texas was 5-7 and seven the year you won the Big 12. Yeah. They were national champs when we were playing them in the same division every year. Yeah. It's different. It is. And I think it'll turn around quickly. Does, McGuire, and so. TCU always claims the conference championship. They don't have an outright conference championship. No. It's just the shared one with Baylor with the one true champion where neither of them got the playoff. When they lost head-to-head to Baylor that season. It's a little bit of a Bush League. A little bit? It's yeah. a Bush League conference championship. Yeah. Although they were the better team. they No, Texas Tech... Texas Tech doesn't even have a Bush League Big 12 championship, so <laughs> I understand, but... I. 
I would claim it. This is my final thought. I can't okay. stand the fans that claim a like shared division title from that season. Uh, in 2008? Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. We were clearly third out of three Here's in, another hint, in that hint trio. for the list sorry. coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Having said that. <laughs> <You told> yourself. <laughs> though, having said that, though, they're... One of the greatest teams in the Big 12 history. I didn't put... 2008 o- Texas Tech. I didn't put OU on that. OU that season lost two games on a neutral field. Texas Tech one, lost one. One was the national championship. Texas lost none on a neutral field. So he's oh, the, like, bowl, the bowl game. How Texas is OU not the on there? Game. We beat Joe by 44. Well, if it's single game outcomes and y'all lost to Texas, y'all didn't even deserve to be in the national title game. If it's full season, y'all lost two games at a neutral site. We beat Texas, who was the best team out of the three. Y'all lost to Texas. Yeah. There's a way to talk around that. But Good luck. Godspeed. Thanks, thanks man. All right. Love y'all.